0: The imposter syndrome is very real and yes. and yes. you it is very easy to get in your own head and yeah. sit there and be like, what do I do?
1: Welcome to The Irresistible Factor, a podcast where I talk to founders and investors and retailers about what it takes to launch successful brands, from developing a compelling proposition and brand identity, to raising capital, to getting distribution and more. My name is Christy Bridges, and I'm a marketing expert with tons of experience and a true love for all things health and wellness. Welcome to today's episode of The Irresistible Factor and a Halloween recording, so an extra special day. I'm really excited to have Austin Patry on as my guest today. He is the co-founder of Roland and Bolin and Realzy. So welcome to the podcast, Austin. Thank Thank you. you so much for joining us.
0: Yeah, thank you. So excited to be here. You just missed me in my elf ears on and my Halloween costume.
1: Oh no, that's too bad. Well, I don't have my unicorn wig on either. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> but we'll I did call it even. Well, thanks for joining us. Do you want to just start by giving us a little background on you, and then also on Roland and Bolin and Reelsy, just so everyone knows the context of what we're talking about?
0: Absolutely. So I'll try and make it quick, but it really started with me kind of growing up in kitchens, So my grandfather actually came from France and my dad, who was born in France, they actually came from France, moved to America, opened a classic French restaurant. So pretty fine dining. And I kind of grew up in that environment as a kid of eating stuffed leeks with escargot and a peppered steak. And I just didn't think anything of it at the time. And during that time, that was in really the 70s and 80s when my grandfather came, had their own restaurant. My parents reopened it in 2006, 2008. And I saw how brutal it was to open a restaurant during the financial crisis. Restaurants are difficult to begin with, but during that financial crisis, I saw how straining it was. And I told my parents, I will never be in the restaurant industry. And sure enough, here I am today, the only one in my family in the industry But it started from there, and then it progressed in college. I met my senior year, I met my business partner today, Sophia Karbowski. And we met in a classroom, and we said, hey, there's really nothing healthy around this campus. We're both in the health, wellness, big foodies. And so we said, let's do something about it. We thought about doing a brick and mortar. That was really expensive. So we started a food truck. And it Uh was called Rolling and Bowling because we were rolling around. Serving bowls, specifically acai bowls. We were the first ones in Fort Worth, Texas to be serving these acai bowls. And at the time, people had no idea what an acai bowl was in Fort Worth. I had them in California and kind of blew my mind how amazing they were. And I was like, we got to bring these back here. So we started in a food truck and then we got our first brick and mortar on TCU's campus in an actual cafe. That worked out well. Then we went to another college campus and that is the rolling and ball that we know today. We have eight college campuses all over the country, really, really integrated with the student culture and building out really healthy options for students on campus. Then I won't go into the full story. We can kind of unpack it. But during COVID, we launched into CPG. So started launching into grocery stores, direct to consumer. And then more recently, we launched a new product that is a date filled with nut butter. That is the first product of its kind that's shelf stable on the market. And we launched it under a new name called Realzy. So again, I know that is a lot. It's that a is a lot. We, we can...
1: better unpack it all.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: So I want to hear first about Roland and Boland. Talk about what the experience was like. I mean, you went from a, a food truck. When you started that food truck, were you guys thinking this is going to be a thing that we launch across campus, or were you thinking, we want to do this right now here? Talk a little bit about your vision.
0: Yeah, that's a great question. And it's something that's really important that we always preach to specifically student entrepreneurs that just start something now, especially in college, we think it's the best time to start a company and start something now and you have no idea where it will lead. So at the time, yes, we actually did open the food truck with the intentions and goal of having a brick and mortar location after one year. And after one year, we actually opened two brick and mortar locations, one didn't work out, but we didn't know it would be on a college campus. We were thinking kind of the traditional brick and mortar. So our senior year, as soon as we graduated, we opened that food truck every single day, like a restaurant in a parking lot in front of a new gym that was by TCU's campus. And then just naturally we, Got a lot of the TCU students and majority of out of state students at TCU are from California. So it just nailed the market. Oh, there are no fantastic. acai bowls there. And one thing I'm proud of, literally since day one, we didn't have the money to start up this food truck and the whole business to begin with. So we did a crowdfunding campaign. We did catering events to scrap by. And actually, at the time, I cashed out some Bitcoin that I had. Oh, wow. Um, from years. Yeah. I was like one of the, I guess, early investors in Bitcoin and cash it out. And that was all those summed together were the makings that made us able to afford to buy our food truck and start the business.
1: That's amazing. Incredible. And at what point did you know that it was going to be something you could actually scale to other campuses? And then what happens next?
0: I would say when we opened our first actual brick and mortar location on TCU's campus and their recreation center, Really, day one. It was actually funny because the first day of school, we're already overwhelmed opening our first brick and mortar location. And then TCU calls us a few weeks before and says, "Hey, can you do a catering event?" And we're like, "Okay, yeah, we can do a catering event for the day of." And they're like, "For two thousand people," and we just said, "Of course we can." And then we hung up the phones and we call each other like, "How are we going to do this?" So we always say yes and then commit now, figure out later. But that time Sophia kind of handled the cafe and the brick and mortar the opening day. And I handled the catering event. And honestly, since day one, well, I say that, but when we first opened, it was crickets. It was pretty slow because no one knew really the concept Mm -hmm. changed. And then later in that day, it started to pick up a little bit. And then the following day, it started to get really popular. And then it just took off. And so at that moment, we realized, okay, this was obviously a need on our college campus because we're really solving a need for ourselves. And then we said, let's try this at another college campus. And then we just kept talking to the dining company who TCU actually hires, who we would work with on their campus. They're called Sodexo. We talked with them and we said, do you know anyone else or any other universities that are looking for a smoothie concept? And they said, well, I know someone at Tulane University in New Orleans. So that was our second location, nowhere close to where we were.
1: Wow. That's incredible. That's incredible. And then now what's your, like, talk about what's happened and where you're headed with the brand. And I wanted, I'm dying to know more about the CPG arm of it as well.
0: Yes. Yeah. So where we're headed with it, We were a hundred percent focused on only cafes on college campuses. We wanted to dominate the college campus market. We really found like we found our niche because we were students not long ago and we can relate to students. They can relate to us. And we built all these amazing programs that we're really proud of, like our bulls and goals program, where we will actually bring on student entrepreneurs and give them grant money for their companies and mentor them all along the way, because we were in that same position. Then we also have an ambassador program where we have up to 10 student ambassadors at each location where we pay them to post on social media, Mm -hmm. to be secret shoppers. It's kind of quality control boots on the ground. And we have that at all of our locations now up to eight. But CPG started during COVID when we had to temporarily shut down. I mean, we were hit the hardest out of really most restaurants because college campuses were the first ones to get hit. First, ones to close down, and we were locked out of our own stores. Wow. We couldn't do takeout. We couldn't do delivery. There is no option for us. So, our revenue literally went to zero overnight. And we're a pretty optimistic bunch. And so, we hopped on a Zoom call, like everyone else in the world, and said, What are we going to do? And we said, Let's start packaging our smoothie as recipes and shipping them out direct to consumers. So, within 90 days, it was actually almost 60 days, we shipped out we got from our ingredients to getting packaging and we were scrappy and just put stickers on some clear bags, shipping out with dry ice, insulation, everything. We figured it out in really less than two months and we launched. And then someone said, you should try getting that in a grocery store. And we said, okay, let's try that. So we walked into a grocery store and that's how we got in the CPG.
1: Wow. And where does that stand now? How many stores are you in? What's your plan there?
0: Yeah. So we originally launched, we launched nationwide and hundreds and hundreds of stores. And we quickly realized because we didn't know much about CPG at the time. And for those who are listening who know about CPG, it's an expensive industry yeah. to get into. You need a lot of upfront capital and for trade spend and marketing, et cetera. And so we launched nationwide with the national distributor, went too much too quickly. And then we kind of have scaled back since. So Right now, I would say we're in about 100 locations and we're in some mainly regional stores like a Tony's Fresh Market in the Midwest, Central Markets in the South. And then we've also been seeing a, our biggest increase in food service. So coffee oh, shops, yeah, coffee shops who want to have a premium smoothie or acai bowl, but they don't have the space for it or the capacity yeah. or labor. And so this is a really turnkey system for them.
1: Yep. Wow, that's great. It's interesting because you're super focused on college campuses, and then COVID made you have to focus on something else. So now you've got two very different businesses that you're running in a way, right? Oh, well, you have Absolutely. three. Absolutely. We didn't even get yeah, to urban yeah, yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you've oh. got two really different businesses. So how did you manage? I mean, you obviously had no choice during COVID but to do that, which was amazing because you could have given up at that point and been like, "I guess this, our timing wasn't right, right?" But you didn't. Yeah. So how do you move forward knowing that you've got two very different sides of the business that are pretty early stage? Like neither of them is like, you're not done with either of them, right? You didn't finish the campus stuff and then move on to CPG. You're in the middle of both.
0: Absolutely. No, it's a great question. And it's something that we've wrestled with since we started because we were really focused. We had our college campuses, we were growing, everything was going well. And then our backs were kind of against the wall. And so We have no other option but to spend time on both and to try and divide our time is struggle, but we work a lot to say the least. And we've been able to bring on more team members since. And on the cafe side of things, we have managers at every location. So it does ease it a little bit, the workload there. But this past year and a half to two years has been a Major learning curve in the CPG realm, and now we feel like we're starting to come out for air the first time in a long, long time. But to say the least, there is no really easy answer of this is what we did. This was the playbook. It's just day by day figuring it out.
1: How are you guys divided? Like, are you guys splitting the way that you're working because they're different? I mean, they yeah totally different. They couldn't be more different. In a lot of ways, the campus stuff you have a lot more control over, right? The CPG world is is very tough, as you said. And I just, I was telling you about the interview I just did with Clint Cow. And I think there are so many companies and technologists that are trying to break down the old antiquated, how do you get distribution as a startup or an early stage brand system? Because it's broken and it's old and it doesn't make it easy for anybody except for the really, really big guys. So are you guys sort of approaching them as two very separate streams of thinking, work, investment, all that stuff?
0: We are. So we just recently had to go through a round of funding and it was the first time ever we bootstrapped everything up to this point and it turned out to be three separate funding rounds. Wow. So we literally had to do three rounds of funding completely separate for different companies. And that was definitely a challenge. And I'm sure. they are, and it's not like they're, two easy industries, the restaurant business and CPG. So no, no. we have been, it's getting easier and easier the more we understand and the more we grow and build our team. But to answer your question at the beginning about how we kind of divide and conquer, more so recently, Sophia, Hat, my business partner has been kind of doing more of the operations for the cafes. And then I have been more on the CPG side and really focusing on Z, which is the new company that we launched that was a date with nut butter that actually launched originally under the rolling ball name, got in scraps nationwide and really started scaling and then rebranded it. But it's definitely been a challenge. And we launched into CPG during COVID. And everyone was saying, Oh, my gosh, I can't believe you're launching in COVID. Like, it's everything is just so different. And we didn't know any better. Yeah. So we were just learning as we go. And we've had some amazing mentors and resources went through a SKU SKU accelerator program out of Austin for one of the best accelerator programs in CPG in the country, and so that was amazing experience. And I said that. Taking it day you, by day.
1: I, I really, I really want people to hear you talk about that for one second because I don't know if we talked about this last time, but I'm mentoring in that program right now a brand in the current cohort, and I cannot. Say enough how valuable that is for entrepreneurs because you just there's so many great people to help you learn the things that they're the only other way you would learn them is by bumping into them and getting hurt by them. And I think the SKU program for early stage brands is fantastic.
0: Absolutely. No, I will double click on that. I love (laughs) SKU so much. I will preach the good word of SKU to everyone, anyone, and everyone. And it was such an amazing experience for us. Like, where else can you get just? a whole rolodex of contacts and CPG that are just willing to help and just have your best intentions. It's an amazing program and support group.
1: Yeah, and also are invested in the success of all the brands that go through the program. Yeah. So that's really cool because there's nobody there who you're not, I mean, they're really partners I think to the early stage brand. So I'm I'm so happy to hear that you guys did that. Did you do it? When you did it, did you do it for one of the brands or just the CPG side?
0: We did. So that was like interesting when we were applying. We yeah. just did it for CPG. And at, at the time, it was just for like our smoothies mm-hmm. under rolling and bowl, And so we were kind of focusing on that. And it was during that time at SKU when talking to our mentors. Number one, they're telling us we need to focus. We're doing a lot of different things. Yeah. They're totally right. And then also, looking at our brand and we just launched these nut butter filled dates under the roll and Ball name. And they're like, okay, now you're doing not only do you have the cafes and, and the smoothies, but now you're also doing the shelf stable snacking product that is almost a different business in itself from the mm-hmm. smoothie pouches, even though they're both CPG, completely different supply chain, buyers, everything. And so they said, you should pick one. For the roll and a bowl name and we did and we kept the smoothies there and then we but we loved the product so much of the nut butter filled dates and it was so unique and so delicious and nutritious and it w- caught traction so quickly with sprouts picking it up nationwide like immediately and all these other retailers we said we want to focus on this as our cpg arm and we want to grow this and it doesn't make sense under the bowl and name. And that's when we decided to rebrand, do new packaging, and call it Z, Real, mm-hmm. and then S-Y, and really focus on, obviously, real, nutritionally, nutrient-dense ingredients yeah. that are super simple. You can turn over the label, and there's no natural flavors. There's no added sugars. It is as simple as it gets, but unique of products that you may be making at home, but you've never seen in an actual packaged uh, container or anything.
1: Fantastic. So you're juggling the two CPG brands now. What's yes. which one do you which it has Real sort of taken over your mind space because it's gotten so much quick traction?
0: It has. So we are focusing on Real And we actually just launched the website literally last week and we got our new packaging.
1: Awesome. That's really really
0: it looks really good. We're yeah. excited about it. And we have this whole supply chain that is our competitive advantage and we're really excited about it, so we are focusing on that. And then with the smoothies, like I mentioned earlier, we're actually seeing the most traction in food service yes. and people actually approaching us. And that and happening, that growth is happening organically. That's fantastic. But as far as CPG, direct consumer, and retail, we are focused on real Z.
1: What do you feel like the thing that you guys did that led to your? success, what was like the one, was there one thing that you, one decision that you made that you feel like contributed to you guys getting to do both of these things in a way that is, it seems to be pretty effective. I mean, you're still growing, you're moving, you've got distribution, you just launched your website.
0: I don't think there is one thing that's tough to say. I wish I could, there was just a magical answer, but I mean, It does come down to grit. There was a lot of grit during the past two years. And again, we could have slowed down. We could have stopped. And we know a lot of people, especially restaurants, who just said, like, this isn't worth it. And I totally get it. Some people. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And so for people to walk away, I don't blame them one bit. And just keeping at it, eventually something has got to give. And on the people on. Vice versa, may say, if you're trucking at something and continuing to work at it and you're just not making progress, like maybe it is time to move on. And I, I do agree with that too, which I know it sounds kind of hypocritical about saying both of those things. But I think when you do launch something and there is immediate traction, then there it's is something sign, there. Right?
1: Yeah. There's yeah, a, a sign that something's there.
0: Exactly. And I was actually just listening to How I Built This, if you ever listened to those. Yeah. Podcast, and they were talking to the Butcher Box, the founder of Butcher yeah. Box. And he was saying, Sometimes it is just the company and the business model is wrong. Right. And it's not the entrepreneur because he started something and it didn't work out. For seven years, he tried at it and raised $20 million in funding by Google and it just never made money. And then he did Butcher Box by himself and it just took off immediately.
1: So wild. It's and so product. that's
0: how we feel like with real Z and we want to tune in on that and yeah. go in and lean in on it.
1: So talk about real for a sec. You haven't really talked about the idea behind the product. What inspires you guys to do that in the first place? I think it's fantastic. It combines like a couple of the really big food trends that are happening right now in health and wellness, but where how did you, how did you guys get to it?
0: Yeah. At the end of the day, the one kind of common denominator for all of our business is spread healthy vibes and to Uh just serve really nutrient dense food. We're very strict on the ingredients that we use and no added sugars, et cetera. And so when Sophia and I were playing around in our kitchens with, in the CPG world, we saw on social media that everyone's making dates with nut butters at home, including us. Mm -hmm. And we actually found 10 random videos, just 10 on social media amassed more than 20 million views of people making dates with nut butters, but it was always for a refrigerated or a frozen product. Right. So you could never take it on the go. And we wanted something that was more convenient that you could take on the go that wasn't a mess. And so that's kind of where it originated. And we launched it again under the rolling ball name. And then we realized, okay, everything that we're trying to do, we want to focus on shelf-stable snacks. And when we go into a grocery store, both me or Sophia, we often go to the produce section or we go to like the vegetable section and then we get some nut butter. Mm -hmm. Like that is our snack. We don't even oftentimes go through the middle of the aisles and look through some of the other snacks because there's always something. There's always an added oil and unnecessary Uh sugar, something. And so we finally said with these nut butter dates, it is literally two ingredients. It's peanut butter and a date or almond butter and a date. We want to do something with this, and we want to continue to grow this outlook that we can have nutrient-dense snacks that are really, really tasty, but also are just super clean, super convenient, and it'll appeal to a large audience. So that's kind of the origin of this idea and then we started talking about what else can we do and then we're looking at old snacks old classic snacks and that's yeah. kind of a big trend right now taking old snacks and it
1: is a big trend
0: and kind of reinventing them and we want to even go the extra mile of getting old snacks and making them for realsy as we say of making them just super super clean
1: yeah well i'm happy to hear that because i think a lot of the people who are doing it now are doing it in a they're sort of like baby stepping to healthy but not really yeah and I, yeah. lo- I love that what the way that you just said your name, I get it now for yeah. real. I love that so much because I think that people are not really doing it for real. They're doing yeah. it that are just slightly incrementally less bad instead of exactly good.
0: Exactly, everyone's branding themselves proudly as a better for you brand. Yeah, and that confused us. We want to be a genuinely good for you brand.
1: Yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. So I don't know if you said this or not, but. When you talked about being in the produce aisle and then getting your nut butter and not ever really making it to the center of the store, are you guys merchandising in the produce aisle or are you actually in the center of the store?
0: We're actually in both. It depends on some locations want to bring Mm -hmm. us in produce and some want to bring us in the middle of the store. And then some want to bring us by the checkout, which is also great because it's a small, pretty convenient grab and go item.
1: Yeah. Are you guys monitoring where you're moving quickest? Like, is it through produce or is it through snack aisle?
0: it's a great question right now we have seen the most through the snack aisle Mm -hmm. and we're actually even in nut butter sections of some stores Mm -hmm. right in the peanut butter and so right now it still has been the snack aisle but we don't have enough data because we're not in the produce section of enough stores to really really see it but another big avenue for us that has opened up recently is coffee shops so they want to put us right yeah right next to the register at, at coffee shops and we're talking to a lot of coffee chains right now which is really mm-hmm. exciting and again finding our niche and also a very niche but also large market that has actually been the most passionate customers of ours have been endurance bikers and endurance athletes because the new nu- yeah the nutritional component of this is equal to or better than a lot of the gel packs oh, that yeah. they, these, yeah. and it's just which are just sugar and yeah. random ingredients and so they're loving this as a really clean nutrient dense snack for them on their rides and so that's a market that we're trying to target as well.
1: That's super exciting. And what about your DTC business on that front? Is that just launched or have have you had that up and running?
0: We had it up and running for a while on Rolling and Bolin and it was doing okay but then we just relaunched it to Eat Real Z and so far it's doing really well in the first week. So
1: So oh, great. I'm so happy for you. That's exciting. Oh, Thank you so much.
0: It's been, yeah, a long time coming. I'm just head down, but it's finally well, out there. That's
1: what it takes, right? I mean, everyone, yeah. it takes, that's what it takes for everyone, whether you went through a pandemic or not. Although I feel like coming out of a pandemic and still being excited and around is such an accomplishment because you have, you know, you're tested. You're, yeah. and I don't mean, I don't even mean your product has been tested. I mean, your will has been tested. Oh yeah.
0: Oh yeah. And now (laughs) that we've kind of weathered the storm, we are seeing both on the cafes and CPG, we're seeing a lot more opportunities because a lot of brands did did back out during that time. Yeah.
1: Yeah. What talk about, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I want to hear about some of the things that you've learned that you might want to share with people who are a little bit behind you in the development of a brand's phase or development, launching of a product.
0: Yeah, that's a great question. I think a lot of times, and it depends on the exact product, but a lot of times someone will have an idea for a product and they immediately go to a food scientist and pay $20,000 and spend the next year of trying to ideate this product. And again, there is a, a definitely a time and place for specific products for that. But for us, our logic is this is something we want to eat at home that we don't see on the market and let's start in our own kitchens and let's see how we can ideate this and then we can bring on a food scientist to really tweak it and nail it down but i'm proud to say like all of our recipes even the way that we manufactured a really unique process has been just from our own heads and bringing that to fruition so getting creative in the kitchen is the first place where you should start and a lot of huge rx bars lara bars a lot of huge companies have started that way and so i think there's a lot of merit to that that breaks down that barrier to start because when you start talking about a food scientist and hundreds of thousands of dollars, it's intimidating. That will yeah, that'll intimidate you and that'll freeze you.
1: I think that's interesting too, because I think a lot of people do start that way, the way that you just said, like they feel like they need a food scientist because they can't figure it out. And when you do that, not only are you overly committing your money, but you don't, I mean, you don't even know if it's going to be good, right? Right, right. Starting with science instead of flavor.
0: Exactly. And I think there's a lot of companies who are doing that right now. And again, time and place for it. But a lot of food production has been starting to happen in labs. And for us, who's really just trying to eat food, how nature realsy intended it like that is it just doesn't make sense for us.
1: It's So interesting. I'm curious to know, I mean, you obviously have a very positive attitude and great great energy. So that's obvious, but there have to have been days during the past 3 years where you were like, oh my god, no more. Oh yeah. What did you oh, do oh, to yeah. push through and like was there someone you went to or was there uh something you listened to or read or was it just internal?
0: All of the above. I mean, I actually remember one day in particular I was just pretty low and I smiled And just trying to like convince my brain, I smiled and I took a selfie and I was like, I'm going to remember this day (laughs) that it was a low point and I'm going to come back to it and be like, good job. You got through it. And so it's this funny, like selfie in the corner of our bedroom with this desk. And so that's great. Yeah. A lot of it is just, it is mental hundred percent. Like I advise seeing a therapist. I actually haven't personally yet. I've been trying to sign up for one, but like, I think that is important. And also just having a good support system around you. And for me personally, my routine is what grounds me. So I wake up really early. I go to the gym and I listen to a podcast specifically one about a founder, like how I built this is one of my favorite podcasts. And it's great to just hear the story and feel like you're not alone when you hear the emotional roller coaster of being an entrepreneur. So for me, it is the routine that really does. And obviously eating healthy makes you feel a little bit better too.
1: Yeah. That's one of the reasons I started this also is because during COVID, I think people needed to hear, like you felt everyone got so isolated so quickly and hearing other people that were going through the same things and also came out on the other side of it felt really compelling. And I think it's important because it is easy to forget that other people have done this and you're not the first person and you're not the only one struggling and you're not the only one who doesn't know what they're doing sometimes, lots of times.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The imposter syndrome is very real and yes. and yes. you it is very easy to get in your own head and yeah. sit there and be like, what do I do?
1: Yeah. It's interesting because I've talked to two people on this podcast that have either coaches or therapists. Like I just saw a post from Midday Squares. I don't know if you saw it. And when I interviewed Nick Salterelli, he mentioned that their commitment to each other was they were going to see a therapist once a week For the entire time they had the business so that all of the founders could air their grievances or concerns in a safe place that let them have them and get them out and talk about them with someone to sort of guide them. And they've still, they've been doing it since day one and they just posted about it. I think it was yesterday, actually. Then the other person who I interviewed who was incredible was Ashley Thompson from Mush. She's the founder of Mush, which is an overnight oats brand. And same thing. She has a coach that she's been working with that helped her get through some of those moments. And I think that's a really interesting way to go because it's hard sometimes.
0: Totally. And both those brands are awesome brands. And so I think that oh, also, okay. I think it's not by coincidence that oh, both their brands okay. are successful, but they have that support system to keep them going and, and to yeah. be able to talk it out like that.
1: That's so great. Yeah, I love that That as a, even something to discuss. And I'm a huge fan of coaching. I've been doing coaching for a long, long yeah. time. Um, so that's I amazing, still, yeah. Like, any other things you'd like to share about the brands and you know to just talk for one second about capital raising and then I'm I'm going to I promise I'll let you go but I want to hear a little bit about raising capital for three different brands and how you went about that.
0: Yeah, again, don't recommend it to anyone, but in our specific scenario, it just made sense. And so what we did is we actually kind of bundled even though it was three separate deals. We did have the opportunity to bundle them together and say as an investor, you can put in your one investment and this is how your investment is going to be divided into these three entities. Because as an investor, I understand that one of the biggest concerns for us for in this scenario is if you're going to spend time on another company that I'm not invested in, that's an yeah. issue. Yeah, And that makes perfect sense as an investor, I would say the same thing. And so this was really the way that we could format it to say, this is an opportunity for you to invest in all three companies. That full transparency, we are spending time in all three of these companies, but mm-hmm. we're also building teams so that they can really help scale us as well. Yeah. And investors said that makes sense to us. We do want to buy into that. And I think it also helped in our case set for the cafes, we went five years without having any outside That's capital. And same with really- the same with the consumer packaged goods business yeah. for the the smoothies when we started and the dates, and it really just got to the point where we're growing very quickly and we need some funding to help with that. So I think it did help validate it that we have a track record, and mm-hmm. if it was up to us, we could try and do it alone. But it's good to have that support yeah. system of investors. So that's the way how we structured it there, and just being transparent with them and giving them updates and saying this is what we're working on, this is how we're spending our time has helped a lot.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. And I'm sure, I mean, when they're buying into something like that, they're buying into you, right? They're buying into you and your team because you are spread thin as every entrepreneur is, but you've also had some proven success in a couple of places that I'm sure they loved during a really hard time. So that's cool. I'm so happy for you and excited for you guys.
0: Thank you so much. And there are times where at least the companies all can work in unison. So we stock a lot of our roll and bone and realsy products in our cafes and get feedback with college students. It's been great.
1: That's awesome. 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 Anything else you want to share before we wrap up?
0: I don't just really would love everyone to try our products and tell us what you think of them. Again, like we are very focused on the nutritional aspect of it while making still just delicious snacks. So if you like something, if you don't like something, please reach out to me.
1: That's awesome. Thank you so much for being on. I'm so excited for people to hear this and share your story.
0: Thank you so much, Christy. It was a blast.
1: Thank you for listening to The Irresistible Factor. I'm Christy Bridges, and I can't wait to see you next Wednesday.